Acts chapter 17. I'm going to be reading from verse 22. Acts chapter 17, verse 22. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him. Yet, He's actually not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed His offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, We will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst. But some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysius the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you we can be here this morning to praise you and worship you and honour you and glorify your name. Thank you we can be here this morning and hear your word as well. Father, you haven't left us walking around blindly. You've left us with a beautiful story, a beautiful book, the Bible, to help us to conduct our lives in a manner worthy of our calling, to please you and bear fruit in every good work. And I thank you for this, Father. Thank you for Paul, who faithfully preached, proclaimed, taught, witnessed Jesus and the resurrection. Thank you for his perseverance, his patience. Thank you that he endured all the suffering that came his way for our sakes. So the gospel would go to the furthest parts of the world. But help us now, Father. Help us to listen 
Help us to be challenged, not to listen and do nothing, but to, to be rebuked or corrected or taught or trained in righteousness. Help us to take this word and apply it to our daily lives, but also to take it and make it known to the people in our community as you open those doors and give us opportunities. But thank you now, Father. Thank you again for the sacred scriptures. Thank you that we have an historical account of how the gospel of Christ spread to all people. Thank you, Father. Help us now to listen. I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. This is not... I can say it like this. This is not a passage for us just to glance over. Because within this passage, there is a, a Christian story. A story that the world needs to hear. The world is really falling apart. Because man has forgotten God. We've seen humanity in rebellion. We've seen evil and wickedness. And it can only get worse if we don't go out there and witness and testify about our Christ, the risen Christ, Jesus and the resurrection. And just reading around and the creation.com or Creation Ministries International, the, the guy, Gary Bates said, just reading this article, but in the article he says, we are commanded to be a faithful witness. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for you, asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect. So in one sense, people are taking the message out there, but they don't do it in gentleness and respect. They don't respect people. They don't, they don't realize that they cannot save that person, but they will carry on like they can save that person. So we've been given a command to be a faithful witness. Witness what? A Christian story. But do we know the Christian story? Do we know what the Christian story is all about? If you walked out the door this morning and someone in the street stopped you and said, Please, sir, tell me the Christian story. What would you tell that person? Jesus died on the cross to forgive your sins. Believe that, you go to heaven. Is that the Christian story? That might be part of the Christian story. Then the other question is, why is it important for the Christian to know what the Christian story is? Why is it important for us to know the Christian story? It's important because it's a matter of life and death. Eternal living and everlasting hell. Or everlasting dying. The Christian story is a story from the Bible about God and His Son Jesus. It's about life and death. You might be saying, well, I'm fine, you know, I've repented and put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I have eternal life. Who cares what happens to the rest? Maybe that's your attitude. 
If that's your attitude, you should examine your heart. Because maybe you're not a Christian. Because the love of Christ compels us to be a faithful witness. The love of Christ gets into us in a way that we, we, we rejoice in a, in a rejoicing that is inexpressible and we want people to know the story. I struggle. I'm not going to stand up here and make like I do it every day and I have arrived at it and it's an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to do. Because it's a matter of a Everlasting living and everlasting dying. But we also hear Jesus' words. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And that's what's happening out there. The wrath of God is on humanity. Someone beautifully says this, Paul's message on Mars Hill calls us to repentance and new life and challenges us to proclaim our Saviour to others that they too might enter into life in Him. We are sharing and we're supposed to be sharing the Christian story, the gospel, the good news to people who are dying while they live. And the Christian story must be told as the story of God's word. It's God's words that we must take out there. I mentioned last week in the sermon is this an easy story to tell? No. There is nothing nice about the gospel story. When I say nice, it's not like a fairy tale, once upon a time, blah, blah, blah. It's a, it's a difficult story to tell. It's hard. Because the words of the cross, the words of the cross is foolish to those who are perishing. Paul said we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But for us who are saved, it is the power of God. It's like you're sitting down with someone and you're telling them that, that, that Jesus, the Son of God, God died on the cross to forgive your sins. And the guy must be thinking, why would, why would God die on the cross for us? Why would he send his only son? That's not an easy story to tell. But what makes it easy and beautiful is that we have the Holy Spirit who is in us and you shall receive power. And the Holy Spirit gives us the boldness and, and the strength to speak about Jesus crucified, Jesus risen. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And like I said, God's powerful act of salvation involves his word. Faith comes from hearing the word of Christ. It's God's word that the world needs to hear. Yeah. 
And the beautiful thing is when we look at the story now this morning, it should, should humble us. It's good to be reminded of, of, of the Christian story, which is God's story. Because the grace of God appeared bringing salvation for all people. Grace has appeared. We deserve not to be here today. We do not deserve salvation. It's all by grace alone. Through faith alone, Christ alone, for God's glory alone, built on Scripture alone. And it should humble us. So hopefully as we go through the Christian story, and it could take four Sundays, I'm not going to just brush over it. I, will, I challenge you to listen to it. We put it on Anchor, we put it on our webpage, or website. Listen to it, make notes. Try get a Christian story going in your mind. Prepare yourself for battle. You heard it from, from Willem. There's a spiritual battle out there. Not only in conflict with, with truth and falsehood, but also we have a story to tell the world, which brings a battle. Look at Paul. Always being kicked out of a town. Beaten. Stoned. Left for dead. So we have a battle. And we should prepare our minds and our hearts by getting to know the Christian story. And the Christian story can be broken up into four chapters. There's creation, which we will see in verses 24 to 25. There's the fall, which we'll see in verses 28 to 29. There's redemption. We'll see that in verse 30 which comes repentance, and there's the consummation, which we see really in verses 31, but we'll put it together in verses 31 to 34, but with the consummation, which everything comes to an end, there's judgment. And the reason why the story is so important, and, and there's an urgency to tell people, because of these words. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. And the only people that will not be judged, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because they will be clothed in His righteousness. Therefore, you will not be judged because of His righteousness. But God has fixed the day. And you get people trying to work out when the second coming is and when He's going to come. No one knows. Let's, just, let's agree with that. Times might get worse, but times can get better. We just have revival. And God's Word cleans everything up. So we're going to look at four truths. And from these four truths, we also get these four chapters. And we're going to look at four truths from Acts chapter 17, verses 22 to 34, to help us to know what the Christian story is. So hopefully we will be bold enough and faithful enough to, to, to witness the story faithfully into the lives of people. And hopefully we will see why it is so important for the Christian to know what the Christian story is. If you're not reading the Bible and you don't know the Christian story, then what are you telling people? It could be a figment of your imagination. You could be caught up in idolatry, just like these men were with their idols. God has given us a a faith to know and to make known. And in the Bible, God has disclosed Himself, and this is where we get to know God and make Him known, because He can be known in our story of hope to the unbelieving lost world. So the first truth to help us to know what the Christian story is 
is the truth about God. We've seen verses 24 to 25 of Acts chapter 17. There is a truth about God. And I'll say it. God is the creator. God is the creator God of the heavens and the earth. And we'll see why that is important. Why it is important to know that. But before we move on into verses 24 to 25, what's happening in verses 22 to 23? Well, there... Paul has been taken from the market to Mars Hill, Areopagus, which is in Greek is, is Mars Hill. And he starts off, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you're very religious. He uses that as a platform to, to start. I believe you guys are very religious. He's not telling them they know the true living God. He's not telling them they are Christian. They are religious. There's religiosity amongst them. And the reason why is there, he's also replying to verse 18 of Acts chapter 17. What does this babbler wish to say? Others said he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities. Because he was preaching Jesus the resurrection. So they, need, they wanted to know. Verse 19. May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. For you bring strange things to our ears. We wish to know therefore what these things mean. And so therefore they take them off to Mars Hill. Again, if you want to know more about Areopagus, you can listen to last week's sermon on boldness for Jesus, part 2. Paul's reply to their charge is how we get to know the Christian story. Now I'm not saying this is the perfect story. This is a story. And you can use these different chapters or these different truths to meet people where they are in their walk in this world. Like I once said, Francis Schaeffer said if he had an hour to spend in telling someone about Jesus, he would spend 45 minutes in the Old Testament and 15 minutes in the New Testament. And this is what kind of Paul's doing. He's going back to creation. He tells them about the true living God. He begins with true facts about God's creation. And that this God can also be known. Because he says there, in verse 23, For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. And Paul's brilliant. He's wise. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. And then he starts with the true fact about God. So in verse 24 of Acts chapter 17, Paul starts with the first truth about God. God made the world and everything in it. Very unpopular today. Very unpopular. God created the world. Evolution's big. The Big Bang. That's all big amongst people. As soon as you say God created the world, people think you're mad. And the sad thing, Christians are turning away from that truth as well. 
The first, let's, let's narrow it down. The first three chapters of Genesis are not a myth. They're not some poetic story. It's an historical account of who created this world. Who is the creator? The loving creator is our true living God. He created the world. So Paul starts with the almighty creator God, the all-powerful, all-wise God. Because in wisdom, God made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. So we see here the loving creator. And how did God create the world? Well, if we go back to Genesis chapter 1 and read that God, we read that God spoke everything into existence. God creates the world and everything within it out of nothing. Ex nahula. The Latin out of nothing. That's faith to believe that God created the world. It's the unseen. But we believe it. Because it's written down for us. God creates everything that exists by the power of His Word. And the beautiful thing is the Son of God, Jesus, upholds the universe by the Word of His power. Do you ever thank Jesus for that? That He's keeping this world together by the power of His Word. God had to remove the Holy Spirit from this earth. We would just disintegrate. None of us would be here. So we should thank God for sustaining and upholding the universe by the word of His power. The truth is that God is the creator of the world. In the beginning, He created the heavens and the earth. But like I said, this truth is very unpopular. I love this quote. Because this is the danger of evolution. The danger of the Big Bang. Whenever the logic of a creator has been eliminated, people are cut off completely from God. That's what evolution does. It cuts people completely off from God. The Big Bang. We evolved we don't come from God. They're cutting people off from God. But Paul starts with the true God as the creator God who made the world and all things in it. God creates all forms of life and creates human beings in His image after His likeness. In the image of God, God created us. Male and female, He created us. He created man to be male. He created woman to be a female. Full stop. But the world has turned it on. Why? Because the church is succumbing to the culture. They take God's word and they reinterpret it to fit in with the changes of culture and the world. And that's why the church supports the LGBTQ+. This is why they've changed the attitudes towards this, because they allowed culture to interpret and tell us what to do. But we read, we are created in the image of God, in His likeness, and He created male and female. 
And the reason why they believe this and why everything is changing about male and female is because we know when sin entered into the world, it distorted us being created in God's image. It marred it. It distorted it. Sin came into the world, known as the fall. And we're going to look at this in our second truth more. God created us in Genesis chapter 1, 26 to 28 to actually worship Him, to honor Him. But we know what sin has done. It's distorted and marred our image. And Paul is just trying to tell them a simple truth about God, pointing them to the true living Creator God. According to the rest of verses 24 and 25, we see God actively involved in his world. See, he's, he's, he's actually having, he's got an argument against idols. There are idols today. We heard that last week. There are idols out there. Paul's message is relevant to the times we live in. That's why verse 24 the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not, does not live in temples made by man. There we see God is the loving ruler. He's Lord of heaven. He rules over us and He has the right to rule over us because He's the creator God. And He's given us responsibilities to function in this world as His representative. Adam and Eve did it for a while, then sin came into the world. And the only way we can do it and get back to doing it rightly and godly is to be restored through Christ, to be saved through Jesus Christ. But he's, he's arguing against the, the, the idols. Your idols are not Lord of this world. God, the Creator, is the Lord of heaven and earth. And the world needs to know that. And they need to know he does not live in temples made by a man. We can't put God in a box. And some of us, we live like our God is in a box. Solomon said, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? This is, God, this is when Solomon built the, the temple. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built? Nothing can contain God. God is the creator God and he should be seen as the rightful ruler of the world, the loving ruler. The fact that God has created this world for us shows his love for us. Didn't have to. That's why everything that comes from me is a gift. The fact that you woke up this morning is a gift. The fact that you're breathing this air is a gift. That you could use your feet to move the pedals of your car is a gift. That's why he's also the rightful giver and sustainer of the world. Verse 25 reads, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. 
It's only by God's grace I am who I am. It's only by God's grace I can stand here and preach. It's only by God's grace that I can breathe. Are we grateful and thankful for God's grace and His mercy? And Paul, like I said in these two verses, are speaking out against the idols. Idols cannot dwell in temples. Idols do not give us breath and life and everything. Because idols are just a piece of wood or silver or gold. They have mouths but do not speak. They have hands but do not do anything. They have eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. They are mute. They are dead. They are like this. That's all they are. Just piece of wood, silver or gold. So Paul, in this first truth, God, the creator God, he's pointing them back to the true God, the living God, the God of Isaac, or God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He's pointing them back to the Creator God who made us and gives us everything. He does not need to be served or need anything from us. God is self-sufficient and therefore is not served by human hands. People say God depends on us. (laughs) How can that be? We depend on God. He's self-sufficient. He's the giver of life, the giver of everything, breath, not these idols. He sustains everything and we depend on Him. But as much as man mocks this God, that we we try and proclaim the Creator God, as much as man ridicules this God, blasphemes this God, makes fun of our God, He still shows common grace and blesses the unbeliever. Our God is a gracious, merciful, compassionate God, but He's also a God of wrath. These people will be judged if they do not repent. But if you read Matthew 5.45, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. What a loving ruler. What a loving creator God. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. When an unbeliever or someone does wrong to us, we just want to get rid of them. We don't want to see them. We don't want to know them. We don't want to help them. But not God. Because he's otherly. He's beyond us. He's not like us. And today we have made God like us and we are caught up in idolatry because we think God feels like us, sees like us, thinks like us and does things like us. We're comparing God to man instead of saying, here's the Bible, it has disclosed the true living God. This is how we get to know Him and this is what our God is all about. He's transcendent, He's otherly, He's beyond us, but He's still present with us. And we'll learn more about that, Lord willing, next week in our second truth which is to do with the fall or humanity in rebellion but this first truth 
Will we believe that from him and through him and to him and to him are all things? To him be the glory forever. Amen. He sustains all people. He provides for us. Yes, we are responsible to work. But do you thank God for your salary you get every month? Do you thank, do you thank God for the work that you just completed for someone? And thank him for helping you. Because if it wasn't for him, you wouldn't be able to do it. As much as you want to boast, it was all me. But it wasn't. So will we take this first truth about God, that he's the creator God, the loving creator God, the loving ruler, and will we put it in our Christian story to help us tell the Christian story to the world? And that's chapter one. That's just part of the story. So Lord willing, you hear next week, next week, and next week, the next three Sundays, and we can learn about this great God. Our God is greater. Our God is awesome. But our God is the creator God. And the world needs to know that. So we need to know this truth so we can go out and tell the people that He is wonderful. And the reason why we need to tell the world this that our God is the Creator God, because Re Revelation 4.11 says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Created for us to glorify and honour God through them. Not for our take and building our empires. We are to honour God. Christ died on the cross. He shed his blood on the cross. Yes, to forgive our sins, but also so that we might become the righteousness of God. So when that judgment day comes, we are clothed in righteousness. And when he judges the world through righteousness, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Will we go and tell the world this story so they too can become the righteousness of God? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Your word humbles us. It always puts us back on that narrow road. How are we supposed to live? How are we supposed to talk? And how are we supposed to proclaim the Christian story to the lost world? And yes, Father, this is just the first truth, chapter 1, about creation but there's three other chapters three other truths the fall redemption and consummation which make up the complete christian story but help us to take this first truth and to learn it and to make it known that we serve a great god the creator god and then when people talk about this mountain just came from nowhere we can say no jack it comes from the loving Creator God. And we can go on and tell them how to get to know this loving Creator God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. So Father, help us, please. Forgive us when we don't, when we are not telling the true story, where we talk more about ourselves and what God has done in our own lives instead of pointing people to the true living God. So Father, have mercy upon us. Please help us to, to, to learn this first truth. That you are the creator God and you are worthy to be praised.
because honour, power and glory belong to you because you are the creator God. Please forgive us, Father, for not getting this truth right or shying away from telling the world that you are the creator of the heavens and the earth and everything in it. So, Father, be merciful, be gracious to us. Help us to understand this Christian story and tell it faithfully and boldly to the lost world. I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.